Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined this season by... This is Jordan here. Jordan, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I am Jordan Eggleston on Twitter, at JWEggleston7, and the bane to some Maryland fans' existence. (laughs) And I am Jeffrey the Greek, at Jeffrey the Greek. You beat me to the punchline. I guess we're going to get to the same spot. The 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 Maryland fans chirping at us were that that was just icing on the poo poo Sunday for my Twitter this week. I mean, at least you're riding a four and team and feeling pretty good. So imagine, I, honestly, that you know, like it it shouldn't affect a grown ass man, right? It shouldn't, but it's just annoying. Like you like to get on Twitter. As a just a quick little diversion, you know, I'll be honest with you. Long stoplights <laughs> sitting on the turlet, you know, and you know, like, but you get on now for me. This week has just been straight poison since Saturday night. Yikes, man. It has zapped my zest for that portion of my life, like I've maybe never experienced before. Well, I've just learned that we are alcoholic assholes. So on that note, cheers. Cheers to you, buddy. <laughs> Not Amador, but that's okay. Hey, well, it is a weekday. You know, I got to tone it back a little bit. <laughs> if the worst thing somebody could say is that I talk about drinking bourbon too much. Come on, you got to come at me with something worse than that. That's not so bad. Ooh, what are we, 12? <laughs> All right. Um, we have essentially two housekeeping items. Um, more of one housekeeping item and then one topic we want to hit because we only got seven games this week. So Jordan, I think we might actually be able to keep this one under an hour. We'll see. <laughs> um, okay. He's officially fired. Mel Tucker is officially fired. Um, we said we would do a standalone podcast on it, but I don't know. I don't know if we're going to do that or not. You got any thoughts you want to add to the Mel Tucker final, I mean... finally firing? To me, the biggest point of this whole thing is when it happened. So the the whole meeting thing hasn't even happened yet. So that tells me that Michigan State has enough to do this with cause and get out of all that money. So that's the biggest point of this whole thing for me. Yeah. Um, my point that, that I'll say, and then we will quickly move on, is I bet you if you were firmly in the camp of Mel Tucker, you would have points that you could bring to this equation on how it's BS. Uh and if you're on the Michigan State side of things, I think you could bring things to the equation to say, no, we've got reason to do this. Um, maybe if we do talk about it and nuance that thing out, um, but Jordan and I's take, we were just talking about it for two seconds before we actually hit record, is like, this wasn't your typical firing where it just all of a sudden happens and everybody's caught from surprise, you know, Paul. Yeah, Chris it's not a and, performance-based firing. It's not a you suck on the field, so you're fired. Like this is it's totally different. And, and it and it's been a slow burn roll down the hill. And then the other thing is, you know, they were two and oh when they when they canned him, right? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. like it wasn't even, you know, it just kind of gives it a whole different flavor. So you know, again, um, am I saying one hundred percent that we're not going to record on that? No, maybe Kurt. Maybe it's me and Kurt. Maybe it's us three. We'll we'll see. We'll figure something out. It's just bad timing too, because like we got to record a podcast tonight about mm-hmm. actual football. Um, speaking of actual football, good tweet that I I thought got some good conversation going from a guy Mike at Husker Mike twenty eight. So he put this tweet out earlier today. Remember when people argued against expanding the playoffs? 
maybe me, maybe I'm one of those people, uh, because, quote unquote, there aren't enough quality teams to do so, we would have potentially the best playoff imaginable this year if it was 12 teams. I got to say, well, well versed tweet. He's got a pretty good point here. I'm really interested because, you know, I'm talking to a fan of a team that's in what currently in one of those, you know, top 12 spots for sure. Um, what I'll start with this. How did, how do you feel as a Michigan fan? Would you rather have this be two or three really good teams at the top? Or how do you feel about this thing being, you could go 12 teams out into this thing thinking that all 12 of those teams have a realistic shot to win the college football playoffs. What's your thoughts on it? So as a Michigan fan and wanting to win a national title, I'm all about four teams this year. Okay. Like okay. love the I better shot for us to get there and do it. As a football fan and looking at these 12, like if if we use the AP rankings because we don't right. have a college yep. football playoff ranking yep. right now. Yep. Holy shit. Yeah. With these games be phenomenal. Like the top 12 right now is Alabama 12 and Notre Dame, Utah, Oregon, USC, Washington, Penn State, Florida State, yep. Ohio State, Texas, Michigan, and Georgia. Yeah. Oh my God. I just so, got mildly erect reading that off. And, and, like, and that that's amazing. That's a, it is, it might not even be borderline erotic. It's fully erotic, <laughs> erotic for what this could possibly be. But like you look at the potential matchup again, I use the AP on how it sets up. Number five, Florida State played number 12, Alabama. Okay. That's a pretty good one. How about, uh, number six, Penn State playing 11, Notre Dame after Ohio State already played them. Uh, 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 seven, Washington playing well. Okay, this one isn't quite as good. Playing 10, Utah. That would be kind of a, a rematch. Um, I think that's how. And then SC, Oregon. So that's funny. All the Pac-12 teams are are packed right in there with, of course, the top four teams, Michigan being one of them and Ohio State. They would have the Idle week, you know, the actually I take that back. That would be a, a proper buy that you would have if you were one of those top four teams. Here's the thing, though. Whoever comes out of those, you know, uh, five through 12, this is where I think it's unique this year. And I want your take on it. I believe one of those teams coming out of that that first round has a very realistic chance to take down one of those top four teams. Okay, you you agree? Even yes, being a one hundred one hundred percent. Like, I think we've we've all come to realize that this season there's no elite team. There is no team in the country right now that is just like, oh my god, that's the best team in the country. They're going to steamroll everybody. They like twelve is a legitimate number this year. Of yeah, they could all make a run that they got hot at the right time and things clicked at the right time. They could make a run to the national title game. I mean, I know that the, the way the 12-team playoff is set up is supposed to have a group of five team thrown in there or whatever, so I think that would like technically be Fresno State. But, right. I mean, we saw them against Purdue. They look like a solid team. Right. I think they make that run. No, but are they plucky enough to upset one of these teams? 100%. Maybe, yeah. Um, and that's the thing is, like, there's some people in that thread that are saying, one guy said, I don't see any difference. It's Georgia and a bunch of teams underneath them i okay i don't agree with that either now we could be proven wrong georgia looked very pedestrian if you can remember 
much of the year last year, like darn near big chunks of September and October, <laughs> they didn't look pedestrian once they got against TCU in the championship. That's for sure. I don't know. It just feels a little bit different that this Georgia doesn't have quite as high of a gear as we've seen from them in the past. Is that fair? Yeah, I think, I mean, you have to say that, but, and I will say, I know I have some Georgia people that I interact with on Twitter. There are a lot of injuries on Georgia of, of guys. They expect to be back, but it doesn't change the fact that you are what we've seen on the field. And what we've seen on the field is they're a good team. They're yeah. a great team. Are they what they've been the last two years? No, I don't think so. And I think it's because of you start the quarterback position. Stetson Bennett for them was a calming force. He wasn't some elite player, but he was just that guy that made the plays, that got kept him in their offense. I don't think that they have that at quarterback yes. this year. And I think you can say that about a lot of teams that they don't have that quarterback this year. And that's where I think you're going to going to see this separation start to happen as the season goes the teams right. that have that experienced quarterback is going to set them apart and forward and that's why it's different to me because another some of the other comments and i'm sorry i can't don't have all these at my fingertips but some of the comments are saying but give it a little more time there you won't feel this good about this many teams deeper into the year okay well naturally you know, you look at the Pac-12, they're going to start picking each other off. The Big Ten's going to start picking each other off, maybe a little bit, you know, in the ACC. Um, it still feels different to me. Like, I feel like there's going to be a 10-2 and two team, probably, by the way, that's going to be in the Pac-12, that I would still feel good about giving Georgia a run for their money in a game. I don't feel like I felt that in the past, especially when, Alabama and LSU and Ohio State had gone nuclear, you know, like we I just don't feel like we have that. This has a different feel to it. And I think a lot of it is because of I mean, I know that you and me are both football purists and traditionalists. I mean, you look at these names. There's yeah. some there's some football college football names on this list. So it brings up a little bit of that nostalgia. We haven't seen Texas and USC be good since they played each other. Really, right, you know? right. Florida State's been down for a decade. Yep. You know, Penn State has slowly climbed themselves back into this rank. Yep. Washington, <clears throat> 2015, right. they were in the playoff, something like that. Yep. Maybe so, further back than that. It's been a long thing. time for a lot <laughs> of these teams. And, and like, it seems like it's longer than it has been for Florida State. It hasn't been that long. But yet, seeing them up there, Oregon up there, I don't seem to hate as Oregon hate Oregon as much as I used to <laughs> recently. I can change my mind once they join the Big Ten. Like throw that out there. Uh, but even Notre Dame, I mean, if you if you believe Ohio State at three or uh, four, excuse me, is good enough to win the national title, <laughs> they just barely beat Notre Dame, who's down there at eleven, who would still be in the playoffs. Man, I know we're talking about you know, things that aren't going to happen because this is the last year of the 14 playoff. Last part on this is I do think this thing has legs moving forward because of the NIL. And that's another thing I've got to eat a little bit of crow on because you look at the top teams in the Pac-12, USC, Oregon, uh, um, Washington, and, and I would, and Colorado's not one of the top teams, but one of the top quarterbacks. All four of the top quarterbacks in the Pac-12 are transferred in. So that's NIL and and the yep. transfer portal working. I believe this will 
keep being a thing as we move forward, there won't be teams able to stockpile quite as much talent at the top. It's going to kill G5 teams like over and over again. I, I think that's where we've seen that already. It could lend itself into some amazing 12 team college football playoffs as we move into it. I, you, I agree 100%. I think there's, there's good and bad with everything. And I think maybe we're finally starting to see some good with the NIL and the transfer portal. Hey, after the week on Twitter that I have, it's nice to have a positive spin on anything, brother. Right? So, so yeah, I, will tell I, you. I feel you. <clears throat> Here's something that makes me feel positive. It's talking about football. So should we just go ahead and get into some of these Big Ten football games here? Hell, hell yeah. All right. Seven games this weekend. Uh, there was a couple weekends where we had 14 games, Jordan. We are literally cut in half for the amount of games that we could talk on here. Two games early. All, yeah, all games are on Saturday, September 30th. Two games early. Four in the afternoon, one in the evening. Our first multiple idol week this week, Ohio State, fresh off their big Notre Dame victory, and and uh, um, Ryan Day just continually beating up on on uh, Lou Holtz. Uh, they are hey, Lou Holtz clapped back. He, Did you, he, give okay. Lou Holtz credit. He clapped back. Okay, real quick. So Ohio State, Wisconsin. Sorry, Wisconsin. You're, you're idol this week, too. Methinks uh, Lou is like in his late extra 15 minutes of fame would well, yeah yeah that's Hell that's yeah. what i why think why not so. okay yeah, he's gonna I, go away like that 86 years old he's like hey i'm running this what i'm talking about i'm gonna go ahead and show. uh fantastic all right let's get into the game <laughs> first one of the four and oh number six rate penn state nittany lions at the two and two suddenly with a pulse northwestern wildcats 11 o'clock a.m. game on Big Ten Network line. Nittany Lions by 27 over under 46. Vegas is saying something like 37 to 10 Penn State. So all time, this series is heavily in favor of the Nittany Lions. 15 and 5 overall. They they won 17-7 last year. So very close game mm, last mm-hmm. year. So yeah. I, um, I don't think we see that close of a game this yeah. year. But yeah. Interesting um, numbers as it was. Um, um, I, I'm, I, I don't dislike trends, right? But so much of, has changed with both of these teams. I, yes. I, I don't think it plays yes. quite a bit. Um, couple things here to point out before we get more into the you know personnel nexus and those. Penn State four zero against the spread to start out the year, and and some of them, unfortunately for your boy, they're, they're covering quite easy. Uh, here, here's another thing I want to point out. Have you? Have you checked out "quote unquote" lowly West Virginia after Penn they're, State? Well, they're three and one, right? Uh, they are three and one. Yeah, <laughs> they, they are. Certainly, that win looks a little bit more impressive. I, I would think if I'm a Nittany Lions fan, I'd maybe kind of cheer on the Mountaineers a little bit. So that's looking. I good. think that I don't think they can do that. I, no, I still think there's a little bit of vomit Wait. in their mouth if they try to do that. But okay, and I can't speak for Penn State fans, but aren't Pitt and West Virginia fans hate, hate each other? So They're definitely bigger rivals, but I still think there's a little bit of bad blood with Penn State and West Virginia. Okay. I just wonder near to the extent of what it is with Pitt. But. I thought maybe it'd be a friend of my enemy is my or a yeah, enemy. That's of my possible. Okay. Yeah, I'm not yeah. I'm no Nitty Lion fan, so okay. I'm right. completely, completely Um and then here's context. here's another thing that I just got before we we sat down. So I had this in my notes where I said, Has there ever been a bigger change of environment? For a college oh, football yeah. team, one week to another, <laughs> from going in front of your hundred thousand whatever fans, whiteout scenario at night, 
going to Evanston for an 11 o'clock a.m. game. That is that is like going from the nicest hotel in the world to some roadside bullet hole hotel. Sorry, Northwestern fans, but as far as college football settings, I don't know if I've ever seen one week to another change quite like that. From CBS to BTN, from prime time to morning time. Yeah, it's, uh, it's okay. quite the shift. And that might be part of what I'm going to talk about here in a minute. Too. Uh-oh. Do you have do you have have the okay? Well, My, this is on the game. Hold on before we get there, because okay. that is the story of the game. So, do you know when the uh, stuff went through Twitter where all these new college football and Colorado fans were talking about how Coach Prime he's playing loud music to get ready for and crowd noise to get ready for the Otson Zoo, and oh, there were yeah. actual you know all of us you know, obvious college football fans made fun of it. Like, my gosh, guys, people have been doing this for 25 years. Yeah. So, so what has been reported this week in happy Valley, James Franklin did the opposite. He shut off all of the music being played at practice. Like they would, you know, typically play music at practice. He's quieted it down to get used to going into Evans. That's real. You've really heard that. I I had it substantiated. It, that is exactly what James Franklin said. Oh man, I don't mean to laugh, but I that is it, amazing. You have to bring that up. So, but the thing is, is that okay? It I have the same note here. This plays into the game and how 100%. we feel about the spread. Jordan, I would even say it's it plays into the spread itself for where Vegas has this line set. Do you agree? Oh, hundred percent, I do. Yep. So most definitely. Thoughts, go for it. Jump jump into oh, what yeah. you're looking for. The, the first note I wrote down is, will this be a sleepy game for Penn State? I mean, 11 a.m. in Chicago area, off of the high of that big whiteout game. Will they come out and just be a little bit, okay, it's Northwestern. Or are they going to play with their food a little bit too much? I'm very curious to see how this game starts out because with what Northwestern showed us last week and their ability to rally the troops and come back against Minnesota – if Penn State does come out a little sleepy, does this game get scary late? You know, that's if they do that. Okay. And I think we got two games to talk about this week where we've got a heavy favorite, a, a team that's got huge aspirations on what they want to do, going against a team that everybody thinks they're overmatched. If I'm one of these teams, in this case, Penn State, that that stuff makes me a little nervous because 100%. I, I got in my notes here. What's stopping you know Ben Bryant from taking YOLO shots, right? All day it's long. Picked, what I, I mean that and, and in a weird way, does that wake Penn State up if 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 Northwestern does it? So now here's the deal. Okay, I say that, and with that being said, the only time we've seen Northwestern do this was literally the fourth quarter of the Minnesota game last week. Right. They they hadn't been doing that. Up to that point, another thing that's going through my head that you can't just set aside. Minnesota was very much the better football team through three full quarters. I watched that game. I actually texted my breakdown to a couple Gopher fans, like trying to make them feel better. Like the calamity of things that had to go down for Minnesota to lose that game were were crazy. They still didn't want to hear it. That's too too painful of a loss. But like my point trying to be is like, Right. But my point is, like, Minnesota is not as good as Penn State, and Minnesota handled Northwestern 
it's hard for me to separate that when I break down these two teams looking at each other. Yep, I agree with you completely. Um, like I said, you take away the sleepy factor, and I the Penn State's way more, more superior team in every facet of this game. And I think maybe you come out to a slow start, you see a little bit of that, and then it's like, okay, they wake up, and they realize we have these two stud running backs, we have this quarterback that's just been elite so far, and they eventually just start to trek their way down the field. Um, we've seen this line move a little bit. Um, I think you might see it move more as the game gets close. Okay. So in my mind, if you're good, you got Go more it. to hit on. Go for it. So I have, I have Penn state 38 Northwestern 10. So that's 28 points in a cover, uh, and a little okay. bit over the total. Okay. I think this game, like I said early on, maybe Northwestern gets them early on with a touchdown and then Penn state realizes, Okay. We should go. No, and then yeah. there's a field goal late in the game. But Penn State's just so much more talented in this game. I don't see them having the letdowns that we saw with Minnesota. Now, maybe maybe Northwestern goes full out Mike Leach with, with Ben Bryant, and they just sling it 55 times and try to get funky, like you said. But yeah. I still just I just don't see it. All right. I went back and forth on this, and this is what I came down to. Um, I feel like there's three scenarios to this game. And Northwestern loses in all three scenarios. I mean, let's be honest. The first scenario is kind of sleepy all throughout. Pulls away late. Northwestern covers. Okay. I think there's a way that the game starts sleepy. And then they pull away late even more. And they cover the spread. The third option is Penn State says, no, we are going to show everybody how good we are. We're kind of sick of hearing about how bad Iowa is. We'd rather people talked about how good we are and just floors it right from the get-go. So in two of those three scenarios, that's Penn State covering. So that's what I got. I got Penn State 40, Northwestern 10. So at 50, I got that going just over. So pretty darn close to each other right there. I I had 34 to 10 for the longest time, and I thought through it, and I'm like, but what happens if Penn State just scores more points, you know, at the yeah. end? And also, what happens if Northwestern just doesn't score? Then right. suddenly covering 28 points is not going to seem like that big of a deal for Penn State. I, nope. You you have taken the words right out of my mouth. Okay. I agree completely. All right. Next game up, still at 11 o'clock a.m., the 3-1 and one Louisiana Raging Cajuns coming into Dinky Town to play on to play the two and two Minnesota Golden Gophers. This is on Big Ten Network line. Gophers by eleven over under forty eight and a half. So Vegas is saying something like thirty to nineteen Gophers homecoming here in Minnesota. Gophers lead the series all time three and zero. All right, have not played since two thousand three though. A forty eight fourteen win for the Gophers. So it's been been twenty years since the the old Cajuns have. I'm assuming come up to Minnesota. I didn't look to see where it was at, but yeah. I'm assuming they came up here. So that's uh, um, two thousand three. That'd be pretty close to the. I'm pretty sure that'd be Glenn Mason and Lawrence Maroney and Marion Barber. I think that might have been. Be, it's got to be right around that time. Be the tail end of them, right there. What yeah. are we looking at here? So I'm. I'm really curious to see what this Minnesota team does here because yeah. you have the emotional letdown of what happened last week. And this is a team that had every ounce of hope to be one of those top teams in the Big Ten West. And that's still very much in play. But you can't let one loss turn into two with that with that fourth quarter. You can't let a fourth quarter ruin another game against a team that you're better than. Yeah. And I think um, 
I think there was a slight overreaction from Vegas with this line early on at 10 and it started to move the other way. Okay. I think that's, I think that's correct because I I do think that Minnesota is the better team here. They are at home here. So I think we're seeing this line trend that way for a reason. Okay. Interesting. Um, I don't know if we get quite the same read on this. Um, I, I will say I, Okay, I don't know how you watch that fourth quarter and not bring up a little bit of concern suddenly with the Minnesota defense, okay? With that being said, Joe Rossi has been an extremely consistent defensive coordinator for two, three, four years now. So having one bad fourth quarter doesn't throw all of that out. The guy can still get guys lined up to play and tackle, okay? So, like, I don't want to put too much into that. With that being said, it, it seems like Minnesota has issues stopping the pass, okay, and explosive offenses. Hey, now the Raging Cajuns are three and one here, okay. Northwest State, okay, not 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 any thirty eight points against Northwest State. Lost to Old Dominion, put up thirty one points. Beat UAB forty one to twenty one. Buffalo is pretty bad, put forty five points up against them. Okay, so I'm just saying, like, screw your helmets on here, Minnesota, because. Not exactly the same thing, but this is a team that can come in and have fun here, right? And attack. I would fully expect them to come in and attack. I think we're going to see a little bit of points put on the board. They're not going to go nuts on Minnesota's defense. Don't get me wrong, but I do think Minnesota's offense is going to have to outpace them in order to cover this this spread. Yeah, I don't don't disagree with you there. The, the question I have is, and like what you said, the, the, the Cajuns have scored a lot of points this year. My question is, how well are they going to be able to throw the ball? Because we know Minnesota does well stopping the run. We know that. And, I mean, their quarterback, Ben Ruler, he's a decent player. Not bad. I don't know. I, I'm, interest, I'm interested to see that because is, now if he picks them apart and we see that struggle against the pass, then we have a trend here and we have a problem here. That'll be that that'll be a big indicator. But I mean, you have you have two things you can do if you're Minnesota. You you spilled some milk. You can cry about it or you can hit someone. And and to steal your line here, me thinks they're gonna hit someone. Okay. Um, could be. Uh by the way, we're we're on a two-game trend. Okay. North Carolina and Northwestern in the fourth quarter has touched up this this secondary. But North Carolina kind of does that to everybody. That's okay. That's true. That's why nobody was really concerned about it, especially Minnesota going in to play Northwestern. But now that's twice. And sometimes what you have to start to wonder is, is there something on film that offensive coordinators are seeing to say we can attack this? Am I positive that the Raging Cajuns have the personnel to do that? I don't know. I think they're going to try though, right? Now, flip it over to more positive stuff for Minnesota. I tell you what, man, I know we have talked about Darius Taylor. Have you watched that dude play? He's 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 the truth, man. This is. Well, did you see test- what PJ said about him? No. Oh, you didn't see this? No. Um, and so this may be out of pocket because maybe it's fake. But okay, you know, there's all kinds of fake stuff going around Twitter. But but he flat out said that if the NIL doesn't start shaping up in Minnesota, Darius Taylor is going to be gone, and we'll be a AAA organization now. Okay. All That's right. that I've seen it from a, a couple different accounts. Now, maybe is this the Brian Ferentz videos right, that we've seen going yeah, around the yeah, deep faking? Yeah. 
but it's not a video. It's well, literally somebody just clipping it and showing it. So if, well, I don't and know I'll if say I'll say this. I've seen a lot of Gopher fans. Our guy NG, he he talks about it too. Like whatever it takes to keep this guy in Dinky Town, we got to do. And I get it. If I was a Gopher fan, I would be saying the same thing. That dude is good. Like he met a fourth year junior, you know, Northwestern linebacker in the hole on a fourth and one ran that cat over and took off for another 40 yards for a touchdown. Like you just don't do that, you know, by trying hard, you got to have talent to do it on the other. And then adding to it, Ethan Kaliak Manis, the, the, the playbook that they presented to him for what they wanted him to do against Northwestern. I thought that was by far the best that dude looked all year long. I know Northwestern is an, an elite defense, but I think that's something for him to build on. I, I think the Minnesota offense found something a little bit on Saturday night. I know in the end, it didn't work out to a win. I was shocked to find out a lot of Minnesota fans mad at PJ saying that he like wasn't aggressive enough. Dude, when you put up 31 points in regulation and 34 points in overtime, you've done your job as the offense. I put that 99% on the defense there. So I do feel better about the offense. Um, I just think this has the makings of a little bit of fun in Dinky Town on Saturday. I I don't disagree with you. I think it's I think it's it's a very interesting game. You know, I looked at the slate this week and I thought, oh, you know, we don't have that big that big headliner game, but we have a lot of games where it's like, yes, we're gonna learn something this week. Like we, we've seen some trends, we've seen some ups and downs. We're gonna find out a lot about some of these teams this week. I am laughing because we've we've done it again. I have two notes that I'm asking questions on two different games, uh, asking just that. So you're you're already leading me into it. Go ahead, hit me with your score. What do you got here? I I see points. I I, I feel potential for backdoor cover situation here. Potential slugginess every now and then from Minnesota, but Minnesota winning this game 34 to 24. All right. So that's a one point cover for the raging cages and that 58 points. I think we got a chance for this to go quite a bit over. Yeah. So I have Minnesota 31, Louisiana 21. That's the exact same difference in 10, slightly lower total, but still over. And exactly what you said, backdoor cover. I think this is a backdoor cover. I think you see a late Louisiana touchdown that really doesn't matter. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel agent technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blend together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. So after doing a table read on bourbon, what better team to break down than one of the teams playing right here. The 2-2 two and two Indiana Hoosiers at the 4-0 and oh Maryland Terrapins. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on Big Ten Network line. Terps by 14, over under 50. So Vegas is saying something like 32-18 to 18 Terps. Very, very surprised to see the Hoosiers have the all-time lead in this series. 7-4 to four overall total. Maryland has won the last two. Okay. including last year with a 38-33 victory. So I was a little surprised the Hoosiers have got the best of the old Turtles over time. Yeah, um, obviously, kind of like we talked about before, I don't know if those trends really mean too much. Obviously, yeah. Maryland has had a different look and feel to it ever since Locks got in there. So here's my question. 
Who are we going to learn more about in this game? Indiana or Maryland? I don't know if there's a wrong or a right answer here, but what do you think? Nope, I don't know. I don't know if there's a right or a wrong answer. I don't know what the answer is going to be either. Okay. Okay. I mean, is this the best defense Maryland has played this year? Because I think so. But then what we saw with Indiana last week, I would what even, happened? Right. I would even say I think Indiana's defense and Michigan State's defense aren't far apart. They got Michigan State on the road. This game is at home. But that that is one of the things that's interesting is because my question, my answer to the question would be I, I, I think we'll find more out about Indiana in this game. One of the things we're going to find out is, you know, we're are they still playing hard for their coach? Because if Indiana loses this game, I know they beat Toledo, but suddenly you're sitting there at two and three, lost to Maryland, lost to Louisville, you know, like uh, a, a pretty ugly win versus a not good Akron team. Suddenly we're going to start hearing Tommy Allen talk right here. So like, is that a motivation factor? Is the defense still good? Because like me and you both felt this was a very much improved, better Indiana defense. I'm not as confident about the Indiana defense now as I was even six, seven days ago. Is that fair? I I agree with you 100%. And I think a little bit of what we've seen from Maryland, especially last week, they they got rid of their, their sluggish starts and they got out to a hot start. Makes me feel a little bit worse about that Indiana defense going into this game. I'm interested to see if Maryland continues their trend now. Well, we had a couple games of their bad starts where they got themselves in a hole. Michigan State, they got rid of that. Can they do that again? Because this is an Indiana team we saw against Ohio State, where if you let them hang around, they will hang around. So Maryland's looked impressive to this point. So can they continue to do it? Because if if this is a team that wants to be in that top group like they've talked about and we heard all about on Twitter – this is a game that they need to control and handle from the jump. And I definitely think the potential is there for them to control and handle this game from the jump. One thing that I think I've found with Maryland is they are fueled by turnovers. That is where they just take games over and ambush you. Every coach says, you know, don't turn the ball over. Like everyone says it, but boy, that has got to be a focus for Tommy Allen going against this, this Maryland defense. Ten sacks. On the year two, like their goal is to get in your kitchen and boomer bust type of deal. Up to this point, four and all the defense looking better. The defense has done its job. That to me is the story of the game. Can Indiana put points up on offense and at the same time not turn the ball over to Maryland? That's what it's going to take for Indiana to stay in this game. And I'll be interested with this Indiana defense. You know, we said against Ohio State, blitz, 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 blitz. We've seen Leah in the past when the pressure comes, tend to throw the ball away. So I'll be, I mean, if you're Indiana, you're, you're pinning your ears back again and you're going after it. I mean, you have to, you have to be and, right. Like that and, has to be the game plan now. And what I think that, that, that can lead to Leah dropping dimes that can also lead to, I tell you what, when that guy gets out of the pocket, he is quick. He's dangerous. He's, He's dangerous. Like, Cause I think there was parts of last year where he wasn't healthy. He his seems like his legs are healthy now. And that dude flies, so that's something. Well, we'll he's not afraid either. He's not afraid of contact. He'll stick his nose yeah, in there and absolutely. run the ball. So you get, you know, you get some quarterbacks get out of the pocket, they get a little gun shy. That ain't him. No, no, there's, a little, there's a little dog in there. I agree. Um, and then real quick with the Hoosiers, you know, you heard a lot about Jalen Lucas in the off season. 184 yards rushing, 128 yards receiving. So he's got 322 yards in uh, total offense and three touchdowns. It's not bad. 
I wonder if I'm a Hoosier fan where I, I maybe am hoping that there's more splash plays out of our splashiest player on offense. Maybe it comes on special teams. I don't know. That's something I would look for. Um, another couple things to point out. First true road game for the Hoosiers this year. Three three teams are having their first true road game this year. Because remember the hi, <laughs> and then uh, because what um, um, the one game versus uh, uh, Louisville was was neutral site was neutral game. Yeah. So and then another thing too, maybe more Christian Turner. I think I'd want that if I'm a he's a good running back. I don't know. I feel like a little bit underutilized right now. Yeah, if you're in, if you're Indiana on offense, like you said, you you don't want to turn the ball over. Because that's what's that's what's fueled Maryland's whole season. So let's run the, run ball. the ball. Let's run try to ball. manage the game. I mean, right. Tommy is a defensive guy, so run the ball, play defense. I and I don't feel like they've done that. Maybe that's where I mean Indiana is in the team bus of frustration right now, even mm-hmm. even with the win. So I think that's some of the things they're I mean, saying. What's, and what's Taven Jackson's best asset is his legs. I so. yeah, that's. That's the gameplay. It just seems obvious. Don't I don't think, turn the ball. I think you and yeah. me are calling this the same way. Will it be that is well, the question? You go ahead and start. All right. So I do think that I'm getting more and more impressed and more and more confident with this Maryland team as the years going on. So I I see this this game kind of going Maryland's way early and staying that way often. So I have Maryland 34, Indiana 17. So at 17 points, that's an easy cover. And just barely over that total. Okay. Um, we're close, but yet far away. Uh, we, we do this a lot. Um, I don't know if I see I, – I, you know what I see? I see a pretty darn good game through like three quarters that Maryland just proves to be the better team because they have just are. more explosive. Yeah, they are. So that's I, – I, I don't think there's going to be any part in this game where you think Maryland's running away with it. I also don't think there's going to be any part in this game where you are really nervous for Maryland to lose the game. I've got Maryland 30, also have Indiana 17, but with those four points less, that barely keeps it under at 47, and that's a cover for the Hoosiers. So we're close, but yeah. We're close, but that that close does swing it. Yes, it does. All right, sticking in the afternoon, the 2-2 and Illinois Fighting Illini. Again, going into West Lafayette to take on the one and three Purdue Boilermakers. This is 2.30 p.m. game on Peacock line. Pick them, baby. Over under 54. Vegas is saying a 27 to 27 tie, right? I mean, that's how I have to read it if we're doing the same thing. Got to love them pick That's when the whole gambling world in Vegas just shrugs and goes, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> yep. And I'm telling you what, that's how I'm feeling right <laughs> yep. now. Yep. What do we got for series? So Purdue leads this all time very close though, 47, 45, and six for the Boilers in the lead. They do have three in a row in the series. So they were one behind, have won three in a row to get a two-game lead in the series. They did win last year in Champagne 31-24. So okay. history's on the Boilers side. So my question again, who are we going to learn more about in this game? Like, and that's where the fun of these games are is because it's, it's hard to know. Um, Like, okay. I don't know if this is, I don't, I don't know if I have like an Illinois tinfoil hat thing going on this year, but like, I, I do wonder a little bit if Illinois was looking forward to this game, maybe not the most focused football team. We got a bit of a rivalry here, right? I mean, I can't tell if Brett Buell and Ryan Walters, the barbs they traded were more playful and fun. Or if there's a little bit of, you know, 
It's been uh, a week. It's been not, a week no, of Taylor. I mean, it's been the week of Taylor Swift, right? So maybe there's some oh, bad Christ. blood here in between these two coaches. I'm sorry, it popped yeah. in my head. I couldn't. Re- I could. I don't know. I like. Do we do we get a focused Illinois team going on the road? I don't know. That's that's so my my question. My que- I'm going to answer that question with a question. Have we got a focused Illinois team at all this year? We have not. I haven't seen. So it. why would we get one now? What That's a good makes question. this different? That's a great question. I just true. I, I mean, I said it on our post, our post, our breakdown last week. I truly think that Illinois is the most frustrating team in America right now because the, there's there's pieces and parts to this puzzle that like you saw them as a potential Big Ten West champion. Fully logical statement makes a ton of sense. Those pieces and parts have never once been put together at a point where I said, okay. Yeah. Yep, this is that team. I haven't seen it. I just don't know what – I don't know why. I don't yeah. know what to make of it. And the thing is, the offense being scattered doesn't weird me out. I figured that would be the case because of so many new faces. It's the defense sure. looking scattered that freaks me out because I just never expected that to be. I just thought – Virtually non-existent at times. Non-existent like, they, at times. Yeah. Yep. So, um, I mean, and, and this is a good Purdue offense. Like – Purdue, they're going to score points. So if this Illinois defense decides to take three, four, five, six drives off again, Purdue could start running away with this game yeah. after what their offense is. Now, granted that you can go to the other side of the ball and their defense. But, man, this game is puzzling. I understand it why it's a pick because it's just like you have two teams <laughs> that just can't make up their mind on what they want to do. Um, I was like, there are certain times with certain teams where I'm just like, I need a little help here. So I went to our guy, big time boiler today. And I'm just like, here's my thoughts, you know, throw it out to him. And I mean, he agrees, you know, this is, this looks like a team that doesn't know what it is yet, which is, again, this is understandable. Like you get that with any time you have a new head coach in a new spot. How about a new head coach? being a head coach in a new spot. So like this shouldn't be that big of a, of a, of a surprise, I guess. Um, I, I think defensively they're the most lost right now. I know what Ryan Walters wants it to look like. I don't think we're going to get there this year or, you know, we might see a little bit of improvement as the year goes on, but I'm not sure they got the ponies on defense to make it work. I do think they have the ponies on offense to look better. I and I think and I I I guessed and and BTB kind of agreed with me. I think that it's the offensive line. There's just been so much shuffling going around. Hudson Card doesn't trust that. I don't know, man. Like so, I started to try to look at this game and like, what am I looking at for potential differences in this game? Okay, the only one that I could really hundred percent come up with is when the Illinois defense. Here I go again. When they decide to, <laughs> quit laughing at me when they decide to just do You're it. You're going to do right? it again. I can already I, I know. I, cause I, because I do think Illinois can run the ball on offense. Okay. Because I think Purdue is really struggling up front right now. I think that's an advantage for Illinois. I also think there's a part where the big boys up front just say, screw it. Let's just wreck this game plan for two quarters. And they turn on. That's another potential advantage I see for Illinois. I see more potential advantages for Illinois. So I've got Illinois 23, Purdue 20. So I got this, an Illinois quote-unquote cover, winning the game. That's all they got to do. And at 43 points, I actually got it going quite a bit under. If I'm going to predict Illinois to win the game, 
it's got to feel like an Illinois game. That to me is an Illinois score right there. I, I, so I, I think with what I broke down, I kind of told you everything I thought about this game as I have no effing idea what's going to happen here. So in my mind, I went with what is the one side of either team that I have trusted the most all year to do something. And to me, it's the Purdue offense. Okay. I have that Purdue offense has been the most consistent unit of the four involved in this game because we've seen Illinois offense and defense both disappear. We know Purdue's defense just kind of is what it is. But to me, that Purdue offense has always done something well. And maybe it's just Hudson Card slinging it around. But I got Purdue 27, hmm. Illinois 24. So a close game because it's it is this is gonna be a close game. It'd be a, honestly, it'll be a great game to watch. Should it's be. gonna be like a terrible car wreck, probably. Yep. But yeah, I hope so. It's gonna be a great game to watch. So I have 27-24. I'm gonna give it to the boilers. The other big point to me was at home. You know, yeah. home field's got to mean something. So, but at 51, that's slightly under also. I flipped a quarter. It came up heads. Jordan flipped a quarter, came up tails. That's essentially how the breakdown here goes. Uh, yep. Next game up, we're going to be a little quick here on this one. The 2-2 two and two <laughs> Wagner Seahawks at the 3-1 and one Rutgers Scarlet Knights. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on Big Ten Network. No line here. Seahawks always got to look it up. They're in the Northeast conference they have lost to Fordham they got kind of destroyed by Navy and then they turned things around against Sacred Heart and Merrimack um, do you know where Wagner is uh dang it I looked it up no I don't it is on Staten Island it's on Staten Island it is on Staten Island oh wow I guess I didn't know that um so all-time series thank God there's only one time they played and it was last year because okay. this, this was going to be a hard one to dig into and find any no. information on. Yeah. And I went to my one resource for FCS versus FBS, and it was there, the one game. They last beat them up pretty year. bad, right? Yeah, it was 66 to 7 yeah. last yeah. year. Okay. Um, and this is a better Rutgers team than that Rutgers team was last year. Okay. Um, not much to break down here, right? I mean, we have tons of respect for Rutgers. Rutgers, we'll get you back next week when you're, you know, playing somebody more with the pulse. But this should, I know they lost last week. They should still feel confident. Get the fun guy, Kalmanon guy going. Get a little bit more rhythm with Gavin Wimsett. Get those guys out of here. I mean, I'll say my score quick. What I think you're going to actually see is Shiano just shutting this game down and not getting anybody hurt. That actually plays it like, I felt like last year, <laughs> not Navi. I felt like last year they had things to work on and prove to their team. I don't think they have to prove as much to themselves and their nope. team. I think they're just going to want to get this win and get out. I've got Rutgers forty, Wagner ten. I mean, literally everything I have written down here is it's <laughs> it's a it's a piece of what you said. You played great last week against a really good team on the road in a tough spot. This is a confidence game, like Gavin. Let, let him throw a little bit, get some confidence, get the running game going again, and your defense should take care of business here. But I agree 100% with what you said. I don't see Shiano having his starters out there in the fourth quarter running up the score. So I have 48-3 to three Rutgers yep. with an easy win. All right, moving on to the one evening game. We have the 2-2 two and two Michigan State Spartans traveling into Iowa City to take on the 3-1 Iowa Hawkeyes. This is a 6.30 p.m. game on NBC. 
line Hawks by 12 and a half over under 36 and a half. So Vegas is saying something like 24 to 12 Hawks. What do you got for the series? Iowa leads the all time series barely 24, 22 and two. So the Hawks did win the last time they played in 2020, a 49 to seven <clears throat> Hawkeye victory. Boy, would the Hawkeye fans love 49 yeah. points right now. Um, before we get into the game, I just want to say I'm biased, obviously, on this next point, but I think this is an excellent uniform game. I was home kits, and as long as Sparty, <laughs> as long <laughs> as Sparty doesn't screw it up, okay. I'm assuming it'll be mostly white uniforms with the green helmet and the Sparty emblem. Love, love this, love this uniform game. No yeah, I'm also okay. a little biased in the other direction, so <laughs> I, I don't have any problem with Iowa's. I mean, okay, that's good to know. I don't do well with. All right, uh, let's start with my Hawks real quick. Um, truth be told, Jordan, I don't know if I can remember if I told you this. I actually recorded a Iowa-only podcast by myself. I just never put it out. I just decided not to put it out. You, 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 have you had anybody ever taught you to, if you're angry, write an angry email, sit on it for the night and reread it? That's kind of what I did. So it never went out. It wasn't me screaming at the world, but it was like 30 minutes of me sharing it. And what I thought was, if I got this out now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have to talk to Jordan so much. I have so to much. know. I have to know. Do you still have the audio? I do still have the audio. You it's may have my... to send it just to me okay. so I can listen to it. I yep. may. That may be something I just need. Okay. And then the other thing is I, I accidentally screwed it up and only recorded it on one side of the speaker. So you'll you'll oh. only hear it out of your right ear. That was another thing. That's that's just a... But long story <laughs> short is is it has been a rough week, okay, uh, in Hawkeye land. Um what I tried to get across was Iowa fans have 100% the right to be pissed and angry. I do think there's been a little bit of overreaction from Hawkeye fans, mostly because of two things. Number one, we've seen KF here before and re-rally the troops. Also, I've said this over and over again, Penn State is really good, okay? And there's a chance... And that's a tough environment. Okay, so like... Things snowballed and it was bad. You know, do I think Penn State's that good? I do think that they're that good. I, I don't think I was quite that bad. I hope to God they're not quite that bad, but they were bad that night going into Penn State. We'll put that to bed. But I will say the season teeters on a point right here for Iowa. If they they could very easily lose this game. If they do lose this game, we could be looking at really tough times in, in Is there Hawkeye some quit? There's some quit happen, right? Yep. Yep. Well, so. you know, you you say all that, and you say it's tough tough week for the Hawkeye fans, but there may not be a team that's got it tougher right now than Iowa, besides Michigan State. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, even everything that's going on there. So, right. I mean, that's... Uh, it's a very interesting spot for me because any Big Ten fan knows that Kinnick at night is just pure hell. Like, yep. there's some kind of witchcraft that has been sprinkled over that stadium. That night games there are just miserable for anybody. Iowa could be the worst team in the country that year, and they're still going to find a way to do it at Kinnick at night. There's some kind of voodoo curse over that stadium. I don't know what it is, but a, I don't curse. ever want to have to play there again. It's a gift. It's not a curse. Yeah. It's a gift, okay. um, With that being said, for you. <laughs> yeah. With that being said, um, if the offense looks cursed again, uh, the the crowd will be muted, and we there will you know I'm not saying I'm a booer. But I tell you what, at some point you got you, things got to look better. 
offensively, right? Uh, and and I'm not saying this is going to be the week to do it, but like there needs to be some semblance of something positive for the offense going forward. And the defense needs to take a step up too, because switching over to to um, Michigan State, by the way, first true road game of the year, first party that plays into it. Big week, okay. We, we hear rumors. You know, we know Mel Tucker's officially done. We hear rumors about guys still playing for their coach or program or not. Some guys saying, I don't know how you can believe any of that stuff, right? I don't have much of a choice but to go off of what I've seen from Sparty so far. The issue is Sparty looked damn good versus mediocre teams, has not looked good versus an excellent, excellent team and a very, very good Maryland team. I don't know where Iowa falls. I know they're not as good as Washington, you know, but that's kind of my question. Like, how does now this Michigan State team match up against Iowa? So, yeah, and there was there's a common trend that you had in the two games that they really struggled in. Two teams that aired the ball out a lot mm-hmm. and throw the ball very, very well. I mean, Washington to an insane level. Right, level. And what's the one thing that Iowa just hasn't been able to do? Throw the ball. Able to throw the ball yep. with a damn. Yep. So to me, that plays into Michigan State's hands a little bit. Um, Iowa's end offensively, you just—I mean, you, you like you said—it's got to get better. It's the, some something's got to change. I mean, in somebody's mindset or a philosophy or something, but it doesn't have to be some drastic change. You can still run the ball. You can still have a run-first identity. That I mean, I think you need that. I think that needs to be Has what to it be. is because I think that's Has where Iowa be. is best. But there does need to be some creativity and something in the passing game, but there's ways to do it with quick game and screens and Good. stuff that, that can open this offense up. So I want to see it from Iowa, but until I do, I don't know that I, I will, I mean, right. at this point. Yeah, no, it's if you are like me, and I think you are, I need to see it before I can mm-hmm. believe it. We, me, you, anybody, we need to see it first. Um, as far as the wide receivers, they were a big point of topic uh, this week in Hawkeye land, as in we better get these wide receivers in the game. Otherwise, you know, in the game plan, otherwise these guys are going to start leaving, but you can't force it, right? You can't just force the ball to a wide receiver down the field. Like, but I would hope, I would think we could scheme better ways to get though. I like Seth Anderson. He's not a bad wide receiver, dude. Get him the ball. Let him make plays. I think Deontay Vines is good, too. Uh, one thing I want to point out is my guess is for the more like casual football fans that are Hawkeye fans, they probably don't know who Nathan Carter is. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Nathan Carter is a good running back. This is a quality, quality Michigan State offensive line. I think Nathan Carter and this offensive line are going to get some yards versus this defense. I'm not going to run downhill on them all night, all night long. Don't get me wrong, but don't be alarmed, Hawkeye fans, if if, if they're a, a decent. And another part of the running game, man, I don't know. Noah Kim, when he pulls the ball and gets around the corner, his athleticism is – it pops, man. I don't know if you've seen that as well. You know, and I don't know if it was our guy Dougie or not, but somebody made the comment about him in high school and how he was a good athlete and like a, a real dual threat quarterback when he was in high school and like an elite talent. I don't know if it was Dougie. I can't remember if it was Dougie or not, but you you're that. right. Yeah, it's there. There's athleticism there. And right now the passing game struggling a little bit for Michigan State. Lean into it. Yeah. Lean into the running game. Let him use his athleticism. But I mean, everything that we've been saying is, I mean, I've had a read on this game. Okay. And I, I felt good about this read. Mel Tucker News doesn't change my opinion on it. 
And I think what you're saying makes me feel even better about it. I mean, if you're good, you got more to head go on. For it. No, go for it. Okay. So this game is still played in Kinnick at night. And to me, that's that that's a tough task to overcome. I still think Iowa is the better team, one to twenty-two overall, all their talent. So I have Iowa winning this game, but I see this game a lot closer than the number. I think 12 and a half points for an Iowa team that's just struggling to score is way, way too much. So I have Iowa winning the game 24-17. So that's an easy Michigan State cover. That is my Amador double barrel lock of the week. Michigan State plus 12 and a half. But that is an over with the total at 41. Okay. Um, again, Michigan State will move the ball a little bit more than what Iowa fans want to see. But there is another thing that Noah came Noah Kim brings to the table, and this whole offense brings to the table. It's turnovers. So turnovers. if yeah. there is a chance for Iowa to just run away with this, that's how it would have to be as defense and special teams. We have the potential night game and Kinnick for that to happen. I do think a key Michigan State turnover plays into this. Iowa themselves has to play cleaner. I think they will. I don't think it's going to look great. But what's the best way for both fan bases to walk out of this game feeling like shit? It's Michigan State loses. Iowa wins the game, but still doesn't look good offensively. So everybody walks away with a crappy taste in their mouth. So that's basically what I'm predicting. I've got Iowa 18 Michigan State 13, and that is also my Amador double barrel lock of the week. So that's two. But you got Michigan State in the points. I've got Michigan State in, in the points, so I've got uh, it going. I've got it going week, under. So yeah, just don't so. just don't bet it because apparently it's not going to happen. Well, I hope we, I hope we're wrong two weeks in a row as far as as far as the way I see it. All right, that brings us to the Dick Ten Game of. With 55% of the 900 votes, the 4-0 number two ranked Michigan Wolverines at the 2-2 Nebraska Cornhuskers. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on Fox Line, Michigan by 17 over under 39. So Vegas is saying something like 28 to 11. So this is the Bussin' Bowl. For all of you fans that aren't familiar, the Bustin' Bull is Bustin' with the boys, Will Compton, Taylor Lawan with the bar stool, Taylor, a Michigan guy, Will Compton, yeah. a Nebraska guy. They they built their own trophy for this game and got both coaches to sign on and agree to play for the Bustin' Bull trophy. So I think it's kind of badass in my opinion, being a Michigan fan. But not a not a big Bustin' Bull guy myself. No, I, I, I hung up that. with I hung out with enough meatheads. At Iowa in college, <laughs> I, I don't need to tune in and listen to him talk on a podcast. I'm just going to gotcha. Yep. Uh, so Michigan does lead the all-time series. There's seven, four, and one. There should have been one more game. I think Nebraska fans know what year I'm talking about, <laughs> where they think they were national champions and they weren't. <laughs> but uh, and then uh, three. That's fired. Three in a row for the Wolverines. 34-3 last year. I will mention last time in Lincoln. 32-29. A real barn burner two years ago where the Wolverines got the win. So three in a row for the Wolverines had the all time lead, but Lincoln's a tough environment. Yep. Um, we got a little Harburg versus Harbaugh going on here. Um, another thing I want to say, maybe. maybe, yeah, we'll get into that. Another thing I want to say too, 
I think this is another good uniform game right here. Yes. Um, with that being the, these classic, will be classics. Classic these will be uniform classic. game. I like seeing two colors, you know, kind of off of each other a little bit too. Um, I will say though, the, the, the Apple Michigan home with Nebraska uh, uh, road kits, even better. Um, Michigan first road game of the year. We're almost in October. Um, so I'll start out with this. Uh, if, if you want to be a team that is in games, right? The I think the two best ways to do it are stop the run and run, run the, ball. the ball. Nebraska is excellent at stopping the run and pretty damn good at running the ball. I don't know, Michigan guy. What do you think? You know, that's that is, and going on the road for the first time of the year. We got markings here for situations going on in Lincoln. Well, you know, I I did do a guest spot on the Cuz Cast nice. last night yep, with, my guys. with the Husker boys. So, all you Husker fans, it, I, it sounds like that's not coming out till maybe tomorrow. So you'll hear you yep. can hear that after you listen to this. Yep. But they were they were they were hinting at a lot of the same things that you were right there. But on the other side of that thing, you know what Michigan's also really good at? Same stuff. Stopping the run and running the ball. Yeah. So we we have two teams that want to do the exact same thing and are both really good at it. Um, there's one glaring difference in this game for me. And that glaring difference is the quarterback position. I mean, JJ McCarthy had the Bowling Green game where he had the three interceptions, but outside of that has been, I mean, I don't want to say elite. He's been great. Yep. So Nebraska's quarterbacks, the ball in the air, not so much. So to me, that's a huge, change point in this game you know and now there's talk and the the, the Cuzcast guys told me they were split on it they there's a couple that think it was sims and one that thought it was harburg at starting yeah it's crazy to me so and i told them who's under center in this game greatly influences this game yeah because if it's jeff sims i think michigan blows this game wide open interesting so just because of what his just because of his tendencies and turning the ball over you can't give this michigan team more possessions and jeff sims has just done it so much i i'm i'm mostly with you on that i i know this much if i'm a husker fan i, I would rather see harburg play but we have injury situations we don't think jeff sims ankle is all the way healthy harburg had something they think he tweaked something on one of his long runs we don't even know if Hubba Chubba Purdy is, is completely healthy right now. So, like, we, we don't know. So, like, yeah, I mean, we know that Chubba Purdy is third, right? Like, he only goes in if, like, really there's issues with the first two. But I'm just saying, like, it's all over the place. If I would want to see Harburg. And, and if I'm betting on Nebraska to cover, I want to see Harburg because they're going to shorten the game down as much as possible. The, I mean, it's a lot of like one of the best strength on strengths is going to be watching that Michigan rushing attack versus this Nebraska uh, 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 defense, especially against the run. Like, I don't know, you know, like I know Nebraska's rush defense has looked excellent in four games. M Minnesota was still kind of finding its way a little bit running, running the ball. I think that's that's fair. Colorado doesn't even really try to run the ball. I mean, when they've gone no. up against I mean, physical they, threw it, they threw it like 50 times, I think, in that game. Right. The other two G5 teams, they can run the ball, and, and, and Nebraska just prevented them from doing it. So, like, what I'm trying to say is I am not just eschewing Nebraska's rush defense. I believe it is an excellent rush defense. 
Okay, you agree. You agree oh, I, with that? No, yeah. I agree. I think okay. they're being num- numbers at some point do mean something, and they yes. are they are doing it. Like yes. you, you can't take that away. But what's it going to be against this Michigan? I, so just this is a step up. I cannot wait. Like I don't know what I'm more excited to see. Is Michigan's offensive line finally gelling and it pops, or is it stalemate-ish? And at some point, Harbs just says, "Fuck it, let's." Oops, that means sorry. Like, screw it. Let's just let JJ cook. <laughs> like, I wonder if that's because that's where the big plays are at. I think for offense, but are you also somewhat like playing into Nebraska's game plan? If you if you don't hit them, I'm intrigued. Like this for a 17 point line spread, whatever. Th- this has got some pretty cool intrigue to it. Yeah, it's a lot of points for two teams that want to run the ball. Yes. It is. Yeah. Um, but like, but then again, like I said, get back to that quarterback play. And if Nebraska can't run the ball, what do they do? I don't know. What's the, what's the curveball? Because we haven't seen Harburg really throw it a whole lot. Like we know he's a good runner. We know he's a good athlete. But is he gonna? Is is this the game where he's no. gonna be asked to throw it twenty times? No. Against I, I think he they could scheme up a couple shots to the tight end. Maybe get one down the field, but no. That we have seen enough, I think, out of Harburg to know this year, right now at least, this this is not where you go for it, you know, and and put the ball in his hands, throwing the ball. I will say there are Nebraska fans that think maybe Sims is the best option because of the Yolo shots and plays that you can get out of Sims. Total feast or famine. I'm just saying that's that's one way to look at it. Uh, but on but you know switching stuff. Or I guess we've kind of go you know back and forth on this, but like it, I, what what probably this will come down to is if both teams play clean, it will probably be a mucky game. If 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 uh, uh, Nebraska can win the turnover battle, I think they can stay in it. But if it's just a clean game, Michigan wins, probably covers. If it's an unclean game for Nebraska. This could be quick because, as you said, we could run into a situation pretty quick where there just there just isn't points out there for Nebraska. Yep, I I agree with you. Um, there's one other piece of this too that that worries me as a Michigan fan, and I've said it a couple different times. Mobile quarterbacks in Michigan's history. Okay, I mean, if you remember the last time in Lincoln when Michigan struggled, what happened? Frost went back to his option offense and yes. was just running the ball all around the place with different orbit motions and stuff, and it really threw Michigan off. If we see more of that type of stuff with the running quarterback, maybe that's, it works. That's always been a worry for Michigan. So, yeah, yeah. maybe that's maybe that's the maybe that's the the angle that Nebraska has to go with. You know, you use the quarterback run game, you add another number to the box for your blocking. So, when well, maybe what would help is if you had a real active linebacker in the game. I don't know. Maybe Ernest Hausman, who's coming in, and I don't know. Hey, maybe. I, hey, I know that guy. Yep, yep. And then another thing I would say is option quarterbacks are scary. Another scary matchup is just this Michigan D-line versus this Nebraska offensive line. There's Now, there's unfortunately, Mason, for, Mason, Mason Graham is still going to be out, out for this okay. game. So still he pretty, Still pretty good defense. For, yeah, for oh, well, yeah, I mean, yep. he, that's one piece. But, it you know, he's a starter on the defensive line, so that does. It's your does team, hurt. you or me, want to go first. Uh, go ahead. I'm interested yeah. in what you have to say. Here. All right, you're. I'm gonna blow you away with this crack analysis. You ready for this? No oh boy. I just think Michigan 
can score enough points to cover. <laughs> like that's basically what it. So what I mean is, I don't foresee a lot of points out of Nebraska. So can Nebraska? Can Michigan just score enough points to cover? I think they do. Haven't got, haven't got, haven't beat the spread yet on the year. Correct? They're they're either zero and four or no, we, no. 0, 3 and one, depending on where you you wound up with Rutgers. Correct? Yeah, depending on what you got with the Rutgers yeah. line, right? So I don't got a huge cover, but I got Michigan twenty-seven, Nebraska seven. So at twenty points, that is a three-point cover, and at thirty-seven points, that is just under the game total. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've, uh, I mean, I, I see it kind of similarly. I mean, there's one, there's one common thing with Jim Harbaugh coach teams. There's not very many teams that can line up against Michigan and beat them playing Michigan football. Georgia in the playoffs a few years ago was able to do it because, I mean, obviously that was a fake show of a team. But since he's gotten the ship righted, there's not many teams that just line up and get in the trenches and punch with Michigan and beat them doing it. This Nebraska team's defense, is, I think it's very good. But at the end of the day, like I said, I think the, the true difference maker is the quarterback position jj's legs and his arm make the difference in this game i give nebraska a little bit more credit than you did but i do give michigan the just the slight cover here so i have michigan 31 nebraska 13 so that's 18 points just over and i do think it goes over the point total okay i think you're gonna see michigan's offense open up a little bit more Last week against Rutgers, when that game was close, remember I told you, you saw the offense, you saw a little bit more creativity. This is a a little bit bigger test because it's on the road and a good defense. I think you see this offense open up a little bit more and score some points. All right, and potentially, who knows? You might shut them out. It's on the menu. Well, you know, on the CuzCast, they asked for a bold prediction. And I was going to be that guy, and I was going to say it, and I, I threw it in after I gave my other my true bull prediction. But I told him, you know, my bull prediction was going to be that your streak of nine thousand whatever days that it is of not being shut out comes to an end this weekend. That Ooh. was going to be my bold prediction. Didn't go, but I didn't go, do huh? it. Yeah, it is. Hey, that's not crazy. It's not crazy. This, I don't think it, it, sims, I don't think it happens. But no, it's not crazy. No, I'm not. And I said, and I told him the reason I didn't use it as my bold prediction is because I don't think it happens. I think even a bold prediction has to be something I think can happen. And I don't see that happening. Well, look at that. Uh, seven games. Everybody scoffed at this lineup. We still went well over an hour because we're just, we're, I, I we're, told you we're, we're sad sacks, man. I should have said it out loud. <laughs> I got to get out of here. I, just, I, I, I have another podcast to record literally as soon as we hang up with this one. So oh, it was boy. fun, though, man. We found some fun stuff to talk about. Yep. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I am Jordan. Don't forget to ask for Amador. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We will talk to you soon.